0: Section 1 of Unaddressed Letters by Anonymous Edited by Frank Athelstein Swettenham This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nemo The Hill of Solitude An hour ago, I climbed the narrow, winding path that circles the Hill of Solitude and as i gained the summit and sat upon that narrow bench facing the west i may have fallen into a trance for there appeared to me an ever-changing vision of unearthly beauty the sun was sinking into the sea directly in a line with the wide estuary that marks a distant river's mouth it was setting in a blaze of molten gold while all above and to the northward, the background of sky glowed with that extraordinary, clear, pale blue, blent with green that makes one of the most striking features of the sunset seen from this hill. The clouds were fewer tonight, the background wider and clearer, the color more intense, more transparent, as though the earnest gazer might even discern some greater glory beyond and through the shining crystal of those heavenly windows. The calm surface of the sea beneath mirrored the lights above, till sea and sky vied with each other in a perfection of delicate translucent sheen. Northwards, a few gray gold clouds lay against this wondrous background, but in the south, they were banked in heavy masses, far down the sky to the limits of vision. Out of a deep forest-clad valley, immediately behind the hill, a freshening breeze was driving volumes of white mist across the northern spur, driving it at racing speed in whirling, tangled wisp across the waterholes that cluster around the foot of the great range driving it over the wide plain, out towards the glittering coastline. But in a moment, as though by magic, the thick banks of cloud in the south were barred with broad shafts of brilliant rose dory, the spaces of clear sky, which, an instant before, were pale silver-blue, became pale green, momentarily deepening in intensity of tone, close around the setting sun the gold was turning to flame and as the glory of magnificent coloring spread over all the south the clouds took every rainbow hue as though charged with a galaxy of living palpitating radiance grand yet fateful a god painted picture of battle and blazing cities of routed host and desperate pursuit Overhead, and filling the arc from zenith to the outer edge of sun-colored cloud, the sky was a deep sapphire, half covered by soft, rounded clouds of deeper sapphire still, only their edges tinged with gleams of dull gold. Another sweep of the magic wand, and, as the patches of pale aquamarine deepened into emerald, the heavier clouds became heliotrope, and a thick heliotrope haze floated gently across the wide plain seawards. The fires of crimson light blazed brighter in the gathering gloom of rising mist and lowering cloud, but the sea shone with ever-increasing clearness in the rapidly narrowing space of yet unhidden view. For a moment, the mist disappeared as suddenly as it came. The sapphire clouds took a deeper hue, heliotrope turned to purple, the crimson lights were softer but richer in color, streaked with narrow bands of gold and dark arrow-like shafts shot from the bow of night. Standing there, it was as though one were vouchsafed for a moment, a vision of the heavenly city which enshrines the glory of God. One caught one's breath and shivered, as at the sound of violins quivering under inspired fingers or the voices of boys singing in a cathedral choir. All this while a solitary, ragged-edged cloud kite hung, almost motionless, in middle distance over the glittering waters of the river mouth. This cloud gathered blackness and motion, spread itself out like a dark, thick veil, and, as the mist, now graying cold, closed in, the last sparks of the dying sunset were extinguished in the distant sea. And then I was stumbling down the path in the darkness, my eyes blinded by the glory of the vision, and, as I groped through the gloom, and heard the wail of the night-wind rushing from those far-away mountains across this lonely peak, I began to wonder whether i had not been dreaming dreams conjured up by the sadly sweet associations of the place. The darkness deepened, and, as I reached the dividing saddle and began to mount the opposite hill, I heard the faint jingle of a dangling coin striking metal. And I said to myself that such associations, acting on the physical weariness resulting from days of intolerable strain, followed by nights of worse regret, were enough to account for far stranger journeys in the land which lies beyond the gates of ivory and horn. End of Section 1